Hello, everybody. Welcome to It Was Tuesday with your host, James Chen, a.k.a. Jay Chenzor. Today, we are going to be talking about some cool stuff here, including some uh, <laughs> accidental controversy that I seem to be very, very good at creating here. Uh, but we are going to be going over all of the cool Aki stuff uh to oh wow mike ross has a reaction to the aki trailer i don't know if i've seen that but wade maybe i'll ask you for a link at uh at some point in time for that because uh i mean this the new trailer for aki is kind of ridiculous so let's just you know what why even beat around the bush let's go over here here we go. So let us take a look at all of the new Aki stuff that's going on. But before we get started here, I'd like to repeat a story that I've mentioned here on stream, but I mean on social media, but even even before uh even before what do you call it? Um let me move my chair up a little bit here. Even before Street Fighter 4, I had this weird thing going on with my character choices, right? So I was playing like uh uh, Cammy was one of my first mains. In Alpha 3, I liked playing Mika. And then uh, in CVS 2, I liked playing, playing Maki. So I seem to always have the characters with this kind of Cammy, Mika, Maki sound. And now in Street Fighter 6, I play Kim. Which kind of fits in that as well. But now we have this character named Aki. <laughs> Am I meant to play Aki as well so I can play Kami, Mika, Maki, Kim, and Aki? Is that is this is how it's going to go? Is that is that's what's going to happen over here? That might actually be the thing. Uh, but again, um, let's just actually just watch this first and then I'll just talk about it because we just, we just need to see we just need to see this character in that way. When I talk about it, it'll make a lot more sense about the things that I'm talking about over here. Whoa, let me move my microphone over here without killing myself. All right. Oh, God, I have so much junk on my desk over here. Let's do this here. And we'll just watch this through one time, of course. Uh, I won't say much because the audio for the trailer will be higher. And then we'll go through this little by little and examine this as much as we can. Time to work, time to work. When inhaled, choreomertin blocks the gamma amino butyric acid receptors in the central nervous system, causing spasmodic muscle contractions. Master, it's a work of art! It's perfect! What to do with you now? <laughs> so, shall we put him out of his misery? <laughs> <laughs> God, just absolutely psychotic. Time for some experimentation. I bet poison <laughs> would work wonders on you. What is happening? God, the first time I saw that, I was just like, what is happening here? Oh, 
I mean, I don't... <laughs> those are not natural nails there, JP. Oh my god, what? The sound effect on that! I like how basically she just straight up murders you after she wins. <laughs> oh my god. And of course, uh, didn't we get uh, some information? Oh no, wait. That's right. It wasn't actually in the trailer. It was in the tweet letting us know that she's going to be released on September 27th, I believe it was. So, what does she say at the end of her level 3? It's my magnum opus or some or or later on. Uh here, there, here and here. My magnum opus is my poison kicking in. Yeah, my magnum opus is what she says at the very end, Ian Hart. And uh, in case you don't, or Ion Hart, sorry. Uh, and in case you don't know what that means, magnum opus basically means your greatest achievement, basically, right? So uh, my 200-page Capcom versus SNK FAQ uh, that I wrote, I've always considered in terms of my FAQ writing is my magnum opus, right? My two-hit combo video is my magnum opus for uh, combo videos, etc. Yeah, it's my masterpiece, basically. Um, so that's kind of how it works. So yeah, that's what that means. Uh, magnum opus. Um, oh yeah, Baron Spaghetti. I mean, the Alpha 3 fact is good, don't get me wrong. But that CVS2 guide is like 200 and some page in it. It has like a lot of valuable information that's even not CVS2 related. There's a lot of good information in that trailer, man. I mean, in that uh, FAQ. So that's what Magnum Opus basically means right there. My Magnum Opus! So yeah, it's a... Uh... Look, I'm just going to say right now, right away, kudos to Capcom again because... What they've done with the characters in Street Fighter 6 is so cool because Street Fighter has had a history of creating just the most physical monstrosities for all their male characters, right? Like Honda, Dalsam, Zangief, Sagat, Yurian, Necro, like they've always gone kind of crazy with their male character designs. And on the opposite end of things, their women have always been so extremely uh, conservative, <laughs> right? I mean, I've had this complaint before a lot of time about fighting games where the women in general all look kind of the same, right? Like you get a Lucia and a Maki and a, an Ibuki and a Kami. And honestly, like if it wasn't for their outfit and their hair, 
you wouldn't really be able to 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 see the difference between them, you know. And yeah, fair Renato. I don't mean conservative, as in like you know, like fully clothed. I mean um, conservative in that they don't really stray from the very picture, the statuesque model of the physical form of uh, of, of women. And yes, so this is why I love Street Fighter VI, which Wade says it's one reason I love Marisa so much. It's, I mean, it's honestly one of the things that I think what makes everybody love Marisa so much is that we're finally getting this very standout kind of look. And even though we literally have a character in the game that's supposed to be a model, a fashion icon model in Manon, Nothing about Manon falls under that very, very standard statuesque female figure. She's got like extremely like, like she's like pure muscle. Like she's like, she's like 0% body fat, kind of this weird like tightness to the way that her like legs and arms look. She's got a very distinct face. She's got a very unconventional nose. Uh, her body just looks very different. Uh, and it's it's so refreshing. <laughs> it's so refreshing to see. And honestly, like, Aki just kind of falls into this as well, right? Because we are getting just the craziest, creepiest character in the world. And even when we first saw the trailer at EVO, the, uh, the, what do you call it? The concept art that we had, the leak, right? The... Street Fighter 6 concept art leak. Uh, the images there, like, that was, like, when you look at that, that was obviously fairly old because uh, you could actually see that uh, Lily looked older in that, in that leak. But then uh, Aki, like, I think she, I think even between the, the leak picture and... Uh, so this is the leak picture over here. Even between the leak picture and how she came out, I feel like her face. I mean, obviously this is a frontal, ver uh, 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 you know, view of her face, angle of her face. So it's hard to tell. But I just love the fact that her her face has a very distinct look, especially like the 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 bridge of the nose and everything like that. It has that really long curve that kind of creates this weird forehead. No, I know Peter 6011. Uh, dude, you don't even understand. Like, I so much prefer this Lily. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, like, there's just something about the way... Aki looked here and then the way that she came out when I saw her on the Evo trailer I was like wait a second this is way different than I thought and I love it dude I love how wiry she is right like she's wiry and then they really really leaned into this horror movie kind of feel to her like they really tried to lean in towards the kind of um like the ring kind of thing, right? And so, I mean, dude, like, I like just like how wiry she is in this. Yeah, I mean, her hair is actually considerably crazier now than it was in that concept art. But the funny thing is, I kind of like that, though. 
I like that they decided to go absolutely nuts with her design. Because like I said, they've had this kind of obsession with being scared to make their women have very distinct looks and have very odd features, right? They've always made them look very picturesque, very statuesque. And the fact that Aki, I think, is just really, really... Oh god. And then this is just this is just nasty, dude. She's just stabbing this poor dude. She's just stabbing John World Tour, right? That's not actually John World Tour. But again, like the way that she looks, like the facial features, right? They weren't scared to really exaggerate her facial features. Cuz even with a lot of the the previous Street Fighter characters, even when you take away their hair, it's still hard to tell the difference between the characters. Honestly, like, when I tried to make my world tour Maki, you know, because I wanted to have Maki running around world tour, she just looked like a generic character. But, like, Aki's face is, like, really distinct. Like, if you, if you just, just drew her facial features and didn't even show the shape of her face and, like, took away her hair, you would know... That, that this, it's Aki. Like, just by looking at the face, you know it's Aki. And I, that, like, it's just, like, so cool. Aki is a completely brand new character, Frizard. So her storyline is that she's obsessed with poison because her master is Fong from Street Fighter V. So she's part of Fong's old uh, crew. And uh, she wants, and you'll see a lot of Fong influences in her moveset as well. So... God, and what a costume too! And dude, that little shrug with the giggle, dude, I, I love this shit, dude. Like, seriously, the the, the little shrug with the giggle. So, shall we put him out of his misery? <laughs> God, <laughs> it's so good. Now, one thing I will say is that I do still uh, kind of wish that. Aki's voice was a little deeper or something a little less, uh, you know, I mean, when I see a character that looks like Aki, this is kind of what I expect her voice to have sounded like, right? Like, I probably would have liked something a little bit more unconventional. Having said that, I found out that Aki is voiced by, by Faye Mata, and uh, that is super cool. One, I know what Faye sounds like, and she doesn't sound anything like this. So she did an amazing job with not sounding like herself at all with this character. And so for the voice that's actually here, I mean, Faye did an amazing, amazing job. I don't know how many people in the chat are familiar with voice actors and stuff, but uh, Faye has done voices. She voiced uh, Ling, Ling, Ling Xiaoyu in, uh, in the Tekken anime, the Tekken anime that everyone's standing next to a giant pyramid. Uh, and then uh, she also did the voice of Matera in um, in uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Matera. But uh, in case you guys don't know, Faye Mata is like super OG FGC, <laughs> okay? Like, she, she, I knew Faye 
from way back like early Street Fighter 4 days, right? She was around and I remember seeing her early Street Fighter 4 days, maybe even before Street Fighter 4 days. I've known Faye for a very, very long time and she's always been part of the fighting game community. So I think it's super cool that she actually gets to be officially like voicing a character in Street Fighter. Like what a cool... What a cool accomplishment. And the funny thing is, every time I see that, I'm like, man, I'm jealous. I wish I could voice a character in Street Fighter VI. And I'm like, wait a minute. I voice myself. <laughs> wait a minute. I am in Street Fighter VI. I have a voice in Street Fighter VI. Yeah, she did Lulu in League of Legends as well. But, like, I have this picture with her from way back, like, I think it was, like, maybe second year of of uh street fighter 4 where we took a picture with tokido it was like me tokido and Faye. i accidentally almost destroyed her jury cosplay at like a, a launch event as well so you know I, i've known Faye for a really long time and so honestly i am super super proud of her that she was able to do this uh to, to be able to do a voice here in street fighter 6 so i mean to me, I, I like seeing people that I've known find success in in ways that are meaningful to them. And I know for her that this is probably super, super cool. So shout outs to her doing this voice. Like I said, too, she did an amazing job with the voice. But let's look at these moves, shall we? Like, dude, what is going? So she's going to have range, right? So this looks like a towards medium punch or maybe just a medium punch. But here we already see with the light punch, I'm assuming that this is a light punch, right? We're already seeing shades of Fang where everything is two hits, right? So the thing about Fang is he was obsessed with the number two, right? So everything he did was two hits. And in fact, I have the feeling that in beta versions of Street Fighter V, Fong could cancel all of his specials into another special so he could chain them and so thus keep with the theme of the number two. However, it was probably too strong, so they had to take that away. As you could see throughout the time that Fong has existed, they kept adding some of that back. So I actually think that, that had, that's something that they wanted to do with Fong was to keep everything be at twos. Now, obviously, she's not obsessed with this, but she is part of uh, Fong's crew. So she's going to have some leftovers on that. So again, but that's three jabs, right? So she has three jabs. So maybe she's obsessed with three because she's number three in the gang now. I don't know, whatever. But that's, I mean... Again, it's just, it's such a simple animation, but, you know, the thing that sells the animation, again, is just the speed at which she strikes, right? You see it, it's not like she's just going, eh, 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 it's, uh, 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 uh. like, it's the speed of the strikes that sell the animation, and this is, I've talked about this many times, it, it's what makes it looks so much better, right? Right, like a snake. She's got this whole snake motif with her, right? And so, you know, you know, I hate doing this, but every time I bring up these animation things, I have to talk about NRS stuff. 
But again, that's that's one of the weaknesses of NRS moves is that NRS doesn't have the control of the speed. Like I said, Superman should have been like Marisa. Everything should have been pow like that. Like that's how he should have been like these jabs. Like they don't have the strength, but they have the speed. It looks more like precision strikes. And I really, really like that, dude. Oh, yeah, she has her own hit sounds. It's a good point, JKY. I didn't even think about that. But here we go. Okay, so is her low fierce, her low heavy punch going to be a sweep, it looks like? Yeah, that's what it looks like. And then this crazy kick. But again, it's just, it's not like she's animated super flowingly or anything like that. Like, it's just her lifting her leg, kind of like the katana kick. But the weight is there. And like I said, the, 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 the implication of it striking, like stabbing, is there. And again, you know, I've talked about the fact that I love that Marisa is power. Manon is grace. JP is like effortlessness. Uh, Rashid, Rashid is more about agility, right? They added all the agility and the athleticism to him. And her, she's all about precision, and I love that. I love that about this character's moves. And again, you know, even though she kicks very normally up like this, the weight, the balance is still there. And so when she finishes the kick, she still has to account for the, the balance shift of the kick. And so it's just so cool looking that she has this recovery where she doesn't just put the leg down. She actually leans back a little bit and crosses over again. It's just, it's so cool. It's so cool. And then overhead looks like, and then I don't know what this is, dude. What a crazy ass move. But did that cause a knockdown? It didn't look like it. Yeah, that's an air reset. Now, here we go. Another example of Fong, right? Two-hit move here. Now, like I said, they didn't go all in with it, but it is there, and it's obviously a low crush as we see there. And again, not crazy animations as she kicks, and her, up, her torso is very stiff, but it's all in the presentation, right? This could have looked really awful, but like... Even though her torso is stiff, like it fits, it fits with the whole thing. I don't know, like it's just there's a really strong sense of uh, good animation here. The posing is great, yeah. And then here, I don't know what this button is. This looks like a towards heavy slash or something. I think that they decide on who to beat up on through just probably theming and choice. They probably wanted to have the newest character from China beating up. <laughs> on the original China character. So uh, that seems uh, fitting to me here. Oh, and then this, I love this. So I don't know what this is, if this is a taunt or whatever, but when she goes into this animation, I don't know if you guys noticed, but she leaves claw marks on the ground. She actually leaves claw marks on the ground. Like, look at that. Ugh. And what is that? Is that poison? Is that is that blood? I don't know what that is. Look at this. I love that, dude. It's so cool. I, and I'm sure it's going to fade away and stuff like that. But I, it's just... What a neat touch right there. Yo! I did not notice how detailed this animation was. I never noticed how detailed this animation is. Dude, look at the way she like snakes into your arm. Oh my God. 
That's so sick. Ugh. I love it. Same thing with the back throw. Oh, God. That's so cool. And then here we go. Now we're starting to see the special moves over here. And look how long her arms are. Like, it almost looks kind of wrong, right? I mean, look at the posing on this, right? Like, it doesn't, like, I don't know if a human can actually pose like this. But despite, like, that's not what animation is about. And her arms look bizarrely long. Like, almost inhumanly long. But, like, I think that sells the snake vibe from her, you know? And then what does she do here? She puffs some poison in your face. So she puffs poison in your face and then does this claw extension move over here. And now she has this bubble which pops on you as well. Look at this. Mm -hmm. And here's that claw mark again. And it looks like, see, this is something that I think that they were trying to give to Fung. Because she clearly has a coward crouch. We'll see a little bit more information about that on the actual website. She has a coward crouch. So she's actually looks like cancels her nail projectile. I mean, it could be a link. It could be a link. That, that looked like an animation snap to me. So yeah, so this might be a link. So she might have been going into, you know, canned post animation and then snapping into the start of it. So this might just be a link here. But she goes into the coward crouch and has to slide forward. Yoink! And just, and just avoids it. And then immediately into another nail thing. <laughs> and then this, like she's planting bubbles everywhere. Like she's planting this bubble on the ground and then still has time to anti-air with what the hell is this move? And again, it's just like non-human poses, but like, does it matter? <laughs> and then here we go. The cow, this weird coward crouch animation where she just slides under and then out of the coward crouch, she has this leaping stabby move like this. And then this, oh my God, like... <laughs> Seriously, the first time I saw this, I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Because like, you know, in that Evo trailer, she did that thing where she did like the ah, jump scare, you know, at the beginning of it. And I was like, can they incorporate that into the actual game? And then I saw this and I was like, what is happening over here? <laughs> And she's actually moving forward with her shoulders, dude. It was it's so crazy, dude. And like, I like how Chun-Li tries to kick and you see how it ends? And so it just whiffs and then she has a lunge attack. But yes, this into the lunge attack, as soon as I saw that, I got nightmares of Voldo, okay? Like, everybody who says Voldo vibes, yeah. As soon as I saw that, that's the first thing that came into my brain was, Oh God, Voldo. Oh God, I gotta deal with the car again. I don't want to deal with the car, please. <laughs> uh, dude, if everybody can crawl in the battle hub, if that's her master action, oh my God. That would be the funniest shit ever, dude. Seeing like 70 people in a battle hub all just spider, like worming their way across the floor. Oh my God, it would be amazing.
Oh my God, that would be so amazing. And then this, so she, I guess she has Fang's coward crouch kick, right? Cause this looks a lot like how Fang did the double kick from the coward crouch. And sure enough, I think she can link out of this. She even has a throw out of the coward crouch. So here's her coward crouch. And then she has a throw animation here. And I still can't figure out where all of her limbs are when she does this. Like, oh God, that is so bizarre. Yo, look at Chun-Li. She's like, what the fuck? Help, help. Oh my God. Dude. <laughs> Is her costume, like, have poison? Like, you see, like, the weird, like, kind of waves coming from her when she does that. Like, she literally puts you to sleep. She just puts you to, like, she really just makes it so that you either can't breathe or she's forcing you to breathe poison, dude. Oh, cross-up. Here's her level one super where she flips you up into the air, hits you with a bubble, and then, dude... Such a subtle little thing. They hit it here so well. But you remember Fang's super? Fly like a bird. Right? Watch her. Woo! Woo! <laughs> she flaps her arms like Fang when she comes down, dude. Like, that's so sick. Nice throwback right there. Nice throwback. Oh, and that poison. Yeah, everything is poisoning you. So this is the thing. It's like, is everything is poisoning you. She's either going to have to be kind of really bad, except for the poison adding to the damage or something. Like, I'm scared about how strong this character is going to be. However, I mean, the balance, like, Rashid came out really good, so... And so a lot of people I have said that they feel like that this dress feels kind of generic. Like that they're like, okay, it's, I mean, this feels like a horror movie kind of dress thing. Like this is what you expect to see from like some evil, creepy Annabelle doll or something like that. So uh, I, 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 I think... I think that's kind of the vibe that they were trying to go for. I thought the costume was sick. Like, I like this costume, to be honest with you. And, of course, it's costume number two. <laughs> costume number two that they have so far successfully done a really good job for the brand new characters of making you want costume number two. It's very gothic. There you go. Thank you, Renato. That is the word that I'm looking for right there. Gothic. Yeah. Um... The, yeah, the, we have more information. We'll get there uh, in just a little bit. But again, <laughs> costume twos are always so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like I still haven't, I need to get to world tour and I'm too, I'm too stingy to buy my freaking uh, Kimberly number two costume on Steam. <laughs> I have it on the PS5 because I had my Chipotle bucks. But I didn't, I still don't have Kim's second costume on, on the other, dude, the fact that they got her to terrorize JP, yeah, is so good, dude. <laughs> they knew, they knew, and I think they wanted to show, like, boss character versus boss character kind of thing here. I should ask Capcom, actually. I should ask. You know, Drake's Revenge, I'm gonna do that. I should ask. 
But again, we see a cancel, right? So this is what Fong wanted to do originally here. She does EX ball here into the into her coward crouch thing. But like I said, there's weird, it's two coward crouches. She's one where she slides forward and one where she just like worms and we gotta figure out how that works. But she gets under there and is able to, oh, the bubble pop burst and hit him first. Dang, look at this. Pop. Yeah, the bubble hit him and then she was able to combo off of that. And then Invul, so does she have an OD wake up that's just an escape? Look at that. Either that or it's only projectile invincible. But this might be her wake up option here. This might actually be her wake up option. And then <laughs> has this uh, flip attack here where she, oh my God. Dude, how did the hell does she balance up there like that? But that's so sick. Look at it. It's like the snake. Right? It's like the snake is like... And then just like... Dude, she's so cool. She's so cool. And then the way she gets off you too, right back into the pose. Here's a, There's that double kick that she can link out of into the jabs. Cancel into the bubble, by the way. Uh-uh. Boom, boom, cancel into the bubble, pow. And then she throws out that ground bubble there. She gets the drive impact counter here, boom. Does she even use that ground bubble there? No, the ground bubble does nothing. But here we go, launch, and then she has freaking, like, this is about as anime super as you can get. Like, the first time I saw that, I was like, what the f like, I don't know if anybody in Street Fighter history has had a super like this. This is like some, this is some guilt, this is seriously some Guilty Gear shit right here, dude. This is just absolutely crazy. Like, this is some Uniel stuff, Undernight in Birth stuff going on over here, dude. Like, that's just crazy. Then Bubble... I drive rush in there, double kick, link, drive rush, cancel, hit you into the EX. Whoa, does she have like a scorpion get over here? Look at this. What the hell? So she does the kick thing into EX stabby, launch over. She's got the reverse get over here. And then she's got this double hit that she links out of into that upward spike. Wait, why did she able to chain? Is that upward spike? A sp that might just be the nail special move, but the heavy version that goes straight up. Cause see, she does that. We saw her use that as an anti-air and then canceled into the level three. Yo, that pose is, dude, that is terrifying looking, dude. She's actually like snake, like it's like the snake head, basically. And then this is cool because she literally hits you on all the chakras. Like this, she's hitting you on all the chakra points here. And dude, <laughs> the, all people who have trouble with, with personal space, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> For everybody out there like me who has trouble with people invading your personal space, this was just like, oh god. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> and then what is it? Dude, what is. Like. 
Dude, this animation is so sick. And then nice little, uh, you know, acupuncture point right here. Oh, dude, the way she moves his head. Look at this. Look at the disrespect in the way she moves your head. Look at JP. He's like, like that stab on his spine, like froze him. And JP is like, I can't move. And then she just grabs your head and is just like, look at that, dude. <laughs> Dude, that's so disrespectful, dude. Oh, my God. Got you on the neck. Got you on the thigh. Got you on the chest and the stomach. And then one on the head. Bing! And see all your chakras here exploding. And then I don't know if people notice. That is the Bagua in the background over there. That is known as the Eight Arrays. Uh, it is a very, very important Chinese symbol. Uh, a lot of people credit it to uh, Zhuge Liang, a.k.a. Kong Ming, uh, from the Romance of the Three Kingdoms uh, series. He created something called the Eight Arrays, which was like this crazy like uh, military strategy that just would trap armies and the armies couldn't escape or something. It was just like... So almost, it almost sounds like an ancient triangle offense. <laughs> you know, it was like crazy thing. And so that's the Bagua. And so what happens on, on each octagon, there's three stripes. That's the feng shui uh, symbol in the middle over there. But on each of the uh, octagon quad, uh, octants, there are three stripes. And across all three of the, all eight of the quadrants, a different number of the stripes have a line going through it like you see over here. Uh, I don't know if they did that accurately over here, but basically permutations and combinations wise, there is only eight possible combinations of, uh, you know, with stripes or without. So each one of these has a different uh, number of lines going through. So this one is solid line, solid. This one is, I think is solid line, line. This one I think is line, line, line. This one is solid, 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 etc., etc. So that's what the Bagua is. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Let's take a look at this Bagua. Uh, let's take a look at this. So if we go to here, uh, let's do this here. Uh, this is not quite, let me see if there's, okay, here's a good traditional picture of it. Uh, oh, they won't let me, oh, these are all like stupid. These are all market things. Okay, here we go. Here's the non-market one so I can actually do this a little bit here. Uh, we can actually see a bunch of different takes on the Bagua as well over here. So this is a very, very, uh, like I said, an important symbol uh, in Chinese um, history over here. Where, there's the picture right here. So open image, and new tab. There we go. So this is the Bagua over here. 
So this is officially the Bagua. So yeah, you can see how it looks over here. All eight permutations of whether you have, so like here's a single line, a single line, a single line, here's the double, here's a double, here's a double, and here's a triple, and here's like none right here. Bagua, ba is, ba is eight. Ba is eight. Uh, I'm see if I can remember what the gua means over here. Uh, this should be in the Wikipedia page that I just was at over here. Uh, Bagua. Uh, let's see. What, what do they say over here? Bagua. Eight. I mean, like I said, I, I've just heard of it called the eight arrays is what I've heard of it. Uh, I think it might be Gates. I'm not sure. Uh, but like here's another version of it here. Uh, as you can see, they've assigned uh, elements to each one of them. Heaven, wind, water, mountain, earth, thunder, fire, and river. And even from a lot of other things here, each of the gates are a different direction over here. North, west, south, east. And as you can see, you know, fire, earth, etc. Like, there's so much with Bagua and Chinese like history, and 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 I want to call it mysticism, but I, that's not quite the word that I want to describe it. Literally, eight symbols are eight trigrams used in Taoist cosmology to represent the fundamental principles of reality, seen as a range of eight interrelated concepts. Uh, thank you, Investigation Cone, for, for that over there. So that's basically, yeah, and you can see how, you know, they've interpreted each of the gates as fame, marriage, creativity, travel, career, knowledge, family, wealth, etc., etc. It's just, it's such an important thing in Chinese history, uh, the Bagua. And so, like, the fact that they actually just kind of toss that in there subtly into her background of her critical art, I think is really sick. Is really, really sick. So there you go. There is the, uh, the and, and also, by the way, if you guys know, the number four in Chinese is considered bad luck, right? Because that's pronounced shi. And uh, the word for dead is shi. And so because it has the same uh, pronunciation, not, uh, not the same accent, but it's got the same uh, pronunciation alphabet in it, the number four is, is, is a bad luck number. So four is basically, that's why a lot of casinos in Vegas will not have a fourth floor uh, in their casino because Japanese, I mean, not Japanese, because Chinese people won't stay on the fourth floor. Well, on the opposite side of things, the number eight is the lucky number for Chinese. So you know how in, uh, in the Western culture, seven is the lucky number. Eight is actually the lucky number for China, uh, for Chinese people. And I'm pretty sure it, it is related to this. I think that this is, uh, this is basically related here uh, to the eight arrays, the eight gates. So yeah, four is bad in Japan. I'm, I'm not surprised as well. I mean, it's just like if you ever play Mahjong, like we used to, my parents used to play Mahjong in like our study, in my parents' like study room. And there are books there. You can't face your back against the books because the word to lose is shu and the word for books is shu. <laughs> so like if you sit with your back to the books, 
you're losing because it's the same word. It's the same pronunciation. So, uh, but yeah, the, the, I just think it's so sick. Sorry for the complete tangent on the Bagua here, but I think it's actually, uh, I, I saw it and I was like, that's so sick. Like, uh, and I just wanted to talk about it. And I just think that it's neat that they threw it in there. You know, I think that's kind of neat. Uh, you'll see a lot of references to the eight arrays in a bunch of stuff. I'm sure there's been references to it in stuff like Dragon Ball and all sorts of everything like that. So, uh, so eight sounds like a hundred in Cantonese and Japanese. So it's associated with wealth. Yep. Makes sense. Uh, but here we go. And then my magnum opus and boom, explosion. <laughs> and I don't even want to know what the hell happened. And the, the hands just being here like this. Oh, my God. What a sick pose. And then I just love the fact, again, this personal space thing, dude. Like, dude, Aki, come on. Come on, dude. And the fact that she just, like, straight up mercs you at the end of this, dude. Like, like what, the, what is she aiming for here, right? Is she just going for the chest, the heart? Like... What is happening here, dude? And that smile and the irises. Look how small her irises are. Just to increase the creepiness of this. It's just, it's so, yeah, throat, probably. You're probably right. But, like, the fact that they made her mouth extremely wide. Her irises, her pupil is just, like, just non-existent and, like, like I said, the fact that they were just willing to make her look as creepy as humanly possible, like, I, I'm just, I'm over the moon on that, honestly. I, 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 to me, it's so cool and it's so important that they went that route with her because you just don't get that kind of thing with a lot of the, the, the yeah, the, the fact that, that she's actually making jury seem normal <laughs> is crazy dude it's it's absolutely crazy oh man but here we go let's do this over here do, 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 do. let's zoom this out uh i love it to be honest with you uh i i love it um <laughs> the fact that yeah Sejam's joke about fixing her has now become like the thing that Capcom is just using that all over the place. It's so crazy. Oh, thanks, Karn. Appreciate it. Oh, man. And yeah, you know what? If she actually turns out to be broken, there's going to be so many we can't fix her jokes, dude. There's so many. Dude, the, yeah, the artist, too. The artist actually drew this picture. Uh, this picture here. Some artists actually drew this picture here. But the best thing about that is that, um, like, shout outs to whoever's in charge of the Street Fighter, uh, Twitter account. Because they're kind of on the ball right now. <laughs> they're kind of on the ball. Because then they, uh, after that drawing came out, they retweeted it. And then they posted this. The Street Fighter Japan account actually just posted this. Like, <laughs> they, 
Like whoever's in charge of the 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 the, the social media for Street Fighter is uh is is on the ball here. Like they this is literally the Street Fighter Japan account posting this, dude. Like it's actually kind of amazing <laughs> that they did this. So shout outs to them. Shout outs to them for that. But uh the PlayStation blog talks about her a little bit here. Double double coil in trouble. I like it. Appreciate that. Aki, the maniacal mistress of poison, will slither her way into Fighting Ground World Tour and Battle Hub in Street Fighter 6 starting September 27th. Dude, we've got 22 days. 22 days on PS5 and PS4 and, of course, all the other platforms. But this is the PlayStation blog, so I'm not going to say it. Feeding off orders from her master, a.k.a. Fung. Aki injects poison into enemies that dare stand within striking distance, all with a smile. You can't fix her, but she will fix you. Like, the fact they are going in on this joke, dude. It's crazy. It's so crazy, dude. Shout out to Seijam getting his joke canonized in uh, Street Fighter lore over here, dude. Uh, I think Fung was supposed to have died in 5. I think. I don't know. A new character to the Street Fighter series. Uh, he is dead. Okay. Aki snakes through life only to please her outstanding and phenomenal master Fung from Street Fighter 5. Does outstanding mean he's dead? I think that means he's dead. Uh, under orders to dig... In the remnants of Shadaloo, she finds herself infatuated with the powers that be. So that's probably why they had her fighting JP, because JP is kind of... Well, I don't know. There's two branches of Shadaloo, right? Now there's the JP branch and the Ed branch. So I'm not sure. Uh, not sure. Uh, China. So they're adding China to World Tour here. In World Tour, help Aki find her herbal medicine in Tianhongyuan, uh, a new era area uh, where you can increase your bond with her and learn her deadly moves. Tian Tianhongyuan, Yuan. What does Yuan mean? It could mean so many different things, but it's it's sky it's red sky something, red sky something. I think. Put those moves to use in the battle hub in the ever-popular and always wacky avatar battles. Explore how the addition of poison improves your custom combos. No, that doesn't mean they're adding custom combos to the game. Uh, yeah, Fong, I, I mean, wasn't necessarily an homage to those Kung Fu Hustle twins, Shogundo. Those Kung Fu Hustle guys have been in a lot of martial arts movies. That kind of style, that kind of look. That's why when I first saw Fong, I actually really liked him because it was a reference to something that I had seen before. And the way that he was super long and stretchy. Like, I don't know if you guys, I mean, the Chinese people will know in this, but a lot of the times the credits in Chinese movies would be... The, you know, because Chinese was written vertically, it would start on the left side of the screen and I'll go all the way to the right. But it wasn't scrolling. It would be like print one screen of, uh, of credits, print the next screen of credits, print the next screen of credits, etc., etc. So when they translated Chinese movies from the theater to the home, they did the standard thing in which they would kill the letterbox format and cut off the sides. 
and they would actually just, you know, put a pan and scan for the movie or most of the time it was low budget and it was just literally, you just saw whatever was in the center. But whenever they got to the credits area, they couldn't do that because they would cut off a bunch of the credits. So what they did was they just showed it regular but stretched it up and down, which is why all of the credits in Chinese movies back in the day of VHSs and stuff like that, the credits, everybody always looked really long for no reason at all. And so, like, literally when I saw Fang, he looked like the end credits character of a Chinese movie. And I saw him, I was like, this is so cool. And a lot of people are always like, they give me crap because I'm always like, I don't like Remy and, and 12 and, and cause what are they? Like, they're not even fighting styles. And they're like, but you like Fong? Because I've seen Fong in so many martial arts movies that yes, I, Fong is not weird and crazy to me. He's actually a martial arts character that I've seen in enough kung fu movies, dude. I have seen this character enough times in kung fu movies as a kid that when I saw Fong, I was like, this is the sickest design. I thought he was so cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think Fong is amazing, honestly. Uh, game director Takayuki Nakayama spoke on the team's inspiration on designing a visually striking character like Aki. <clears throat> the character design we landed on was a pale-skinned disciple. Yeah, shout out to the fact that her face is literally just white. Oh, and by the way, uh, if your face, and that's also important lore as well. Uh, this actually has nothing to do with, uh, racism, okay? <laughs> so bear with me on this one. But all villains in Chinese stories have a white face. Their faces are very painted white, and that is to resemble ghosts, to resemble spirits, right? Spirits always had the white face. And so whenever you see any sort of Chinese opera or anything like that, the good guys would all have the red faces and the bad guys would have the white faces. That's why Guan Yu, uh, AKA um, uh, Kong Ming, not Kong Ming, Xuan uh, De, I think that's his nickname. Uh, Guan Yu, who is one of the most famous generals in uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, has always been said that he is described with a very red face. And that is to portray that he is one of the good guys uh, of, the, of basically uh, the story, right? Whenever you see a Chinese opera, like in the Zhuge Liang versus Zhou Yu or Zhuge Liang versus Sima Yi kind of things, Zhuge Liang will always have a redder face and Sima Yi will always have white face paint uh, on their faces. Uh, let me see if I can see some examples here. Uh, Chinese opera over here. So uh, here, here, let me just move this over here. So here, for example, uh, this is clearly more of a heroic character here because uh, with more of a red face, right? So let's do white face over here. So these are the villains here. All the characters that have this kind of mask and stuff, like this character over here, Jing Roll. Jing Roll is what they call that. Is that what they call it? 
uh, rough or mighty man. Oh no, that's a different thing over there. But yeah, basically characters with the white face paint are almost always bad guys. So you see in these examples over here, these are all going to be villains uh, in Chinese Chinese opera in Chinese lore. This is going to be good guys over here. These are the good guys over here with the red masks on. And I always like one of my favorite stories I've always liked to tell is we were working with China at my last job. And they uh, were giving us uh, they were giving us metrics. They were actually testing like computer load or performance. It was performance metrics. They were timing how long it took for everything to do. And all the numbers that were good performance, they colored the box in, in, in spreadsheet red. And they colored all the bad boxes, I think yellow or something like that. And my manager saw this, and my manager is Caucasian, right? He's American. And he looked at these, he's like, why are these colored red? This is so weird. And he recolored the entire spreadsheet with all the bad numbers in red and all the good numbers in green and stuff. And when he sent it back, the China offices were like, why did you change all the bad numbers red? <laughs> like, they were so confused. And I was like, oh, 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 by the way. <laughs> By the way, manager, uh, my ma I basically said to my manager, like, by the way, <laughs> red means good in Chinese. And he was like, oh, crap. And he felt so horrible. He was like, oh, my God, was I just racist by accident? And I was like, dude, don't don't worry about it. You had no idea, dude. You had no idea. But it was just like it's one of my favorite stories, dude. It's just like really funny. Um, pale skinned disciple with her fighting style being a combination of the poison hand and fanged snake style martial arts. Therefore, we decided to proceed with Aki being a white snake that carries poison. Her snake skin Chinese dress has a beautiful sheen like a black mamba, Kobe Bryant, uh, with material that looks ominous when it shines and animates. The serpentine pattern you see from her chest to her stomach is meant to resemble the belly of a snake. Um, her distinct hairstyle was an idea that came from outside the design team, which incorporates the symbol of an assassin, Kasa, uh, umbrella in Japan, in Japanese, through her hair. Based on, this, based on this concept, we tweaked the way her eyes hide behind her hair and the overall silhouette. We took extra care in making the silhouette of the collar and the way her eyes are hidden to look alluring when vi viewed from the side. I don't know about you, like, <laughs> this character is not alluring to me. <laughs> She's scary. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there who I think that's kind of their thing. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> Every time you land a fireball, Kobe! <laughs> oh, man. Red, red, green is actually kind of pain anyways due to common color blindness. Yes, absolutely true as well. So... Um, yeah, death cap mushroom. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think we're all kind of correct. Uh, Aki has learned from her master about the best uses for poison, but her nails offer a twisted reminder that she is a different creature altogether. <laughs> She's literally Voldo and Ivy, like merged into one because literally her, her claws are like Ivy's sword, right? Like it's kind of the same thing. Excelling at long-range combat and with the ability to poison enemies through her cauldron of tricks, love the choice of words, Aki controls the stage, waiting for her prey to blink. Like Fong, once Aki poisons an enemy, their vitality will slowly 
deplete as long as the effect remains. Shoutouts to using the word vitality. People made fun of me when I called zero health, zero vital, because that's literally what it said in Street Fighter 2. After you won, it said, it said vital, zero. So we called it zero vital and people are like, People would yell at me, who, who calls it zero vital? Why is this? Dude, vitality, that's your health. Anyways, um, from a distance, she can use Serpent Lash, sending her nails flying forward like a chain, poisoning enemies she hits. The OD version of Ser Serpent Lash hooks onto enemies, allowing Aki to hop forward cl to close the distance. So yeah, she has uh, Hazama. Hazama's uh, version, and not Scorpion's. So she's not get over here. She's I'll come to you, and that's what uh, Hazama does in Blaze Blue, right? So Blaze Blue, he stabs you with the thing and then flies over to you. Uh, when she strikes an opponent who is already poisoned with moves like Serpent Lash, a toxic blossom triggers where the resulting explosion can open enemies up to follow attacks. So this is like the stain state in uh for testament except i think you have to hit them specifically with poison moves <laughs> yeah block mamba is uma thurman in kill bill yeah absolutely um but yeah so when she hits you with the nail when you're poisoned that's the explosion and gives you extra combos her fireball nightshade her fireball nightshade pulse sends a bubble forward that also poisons enemies on hits. She can strike the bubble with Nightshade Chaser to pop it in advance, increasing the area of effect. Aki can also use Orchid Spring to place a puddle in front of her, which affects opponents who step in it. So instead of Ryobenda being a literal wall, this is more like an NRS character again, where she just poisons the floor, and if you stand on the floor, I guess... You're actually poisoned. Yeah, I mean, there's no coincidence on that. Duolon probably, I mean, they're probably using the same same snake martial arts st style, right? So they're both probably doing that. So uh, it's really funny that Duolon and Aki are coming out in the same month. Like, what, a, what an odd coincidence, but... <laughs> <clears throat> Snakes always lurk where their prey can't see them. Aki can use cruel fate to flip backwards towards enemies, sending her nails to strike from above. Like a contortionist, she can instantly coil to the ground and under enemies with snake step. So that's going to be her coward crouch. Aki takes this even further with sinister slide, where she can slither from full screen to avoid threats while stalking forward. From Sinister Slide, she can perform three. This is the fast one, so I don't know how she does the shoulder thing. Uh, she can perform three actions. Venomous Fang sends her leaping forward to poison enemies. We saw that was the Voldo attack. Heel Strike stops, starts combos off of, on a successful hit. That was the double kick that looked like Fong's double kick. And Entrapment wraps around her body to enemies to constrict them. I like the fact that someone said that, did they call it Entrapment? to remind you of uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones slithering through the lasers in Entrapment, but I thought that was kind of funny, actually. Um, Aki's level one super deadly implication launches enemies in the air with a kick and traps them in a giant, po gigantic poisonous bubble, leaving them across the stage. Her level two super tainted talons extends multiple talons forwards and leaves a large pool of poison in its wake that lasts for a significant amount of time. So she also plants poison on the ground too. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Duolon trailer dropped yesterday. 
uh, during Aki's level three super clause of Yaz of Yazi. Yazi. I don't know what the pronunciation or what this uh, means is going to be. Clause of Yazi or Yazi. Yatsu, Yatsu, would it be claws of teeth? Yatsu, no, because if it was Yatsu, it wouldn't be spelled Z I. It would be spelled, um, actually, would this be Z I? She pierces various pressure points on the enemy's body and injects a poison that detonates from within. Getting tied up in these chains will see you screaming in agony. My magnum opus. Aki will be unlocked for owners of the Year One Character Pass, the Lux Edition, or Ultimate Edition on September 27th. Get a taste of her poison for an hour with a rental fighter ticket, which can be obtained in a fighting pass. Uh, don Aki in an, an, an elegant additional outfit, which is also available when she unlocks. <laughs> Speaking of Aki, uh, fighting pass will release on September 1 contain cosmetic items. To help prepare for Aki's concoction. These are some cool stuff. They give you Fong's shades. They give you Fong's hat. They give you a gas mask. They give you a nice little Chinese uh, dress over here. Uh, they give you Aki's earrings. Some cute stickers over here. Even a snake. <laughs> a dead snake. I think it's hilarious, dude. Uh, uh, whether it's from her tongue or the brewing poison, the soft hissing grows ever louder, louder approaching the end of September when Aki is introduced in Street Fighter 6. So, there you go. That's Aki. <laughs> Aki looks ridiculous. Is there, a, like, someone said that Mike Ross has a good reaction trailer, or am I being trolled? <laughs> or is it just hilarious? Because anything with Mike Ross is actually just amazing. So, but again, yeah. Actually, honest, oh, trolled, okay. Honestly, she might actually be an interesting replacement for uh for a vega she might actually be kind of like a vega-esque character maybe uh with the claw ranges and stuff like that but i don't think she's gonna have the speed of vega so i don't think it's gonna be quite the same thing but again if you're just gonna make a character that's like hey we're the replacement fang like this is this is crazy this is wild also by the way just so uh you guys understand <laughs> which is weird and i don't see why <laughs> They did this, but Fung does not officially have a period at the end of his name. His name is F.A.N.G. He does not have a period at the end of his name. I was pointed out this out by a Capcom representative. Fung has no dot at the end of his name. Uh, Aki does. She has a dot. She's A dot K dot I dot. I don't know why. I don't know why uh, that's the case, but that's just how it is. So, uh, Fong was a combination of a charge and motion. So, I don't know if uh, Aki is going to be a combination of the two as well. Not really sure. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It could just be just how it is. So, um... I'll be honest, I didn't see anything that looked like Charge. Yeah, she doesn't look like a Charge character. Nothing in my brain right now screams Charge character, so. Uh, but she's so sick looking. <laughs> she's so cool looking. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, yeah, dude, I, 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 like, I love what they did to Rashid, Rashid. Uh, and like I said, how they made him more parkour. They enhanced his cool wind stuff. 
And then after I saw Rashid, I was like, you know what? If they can keep this up, I'm excited to see what they do with Aki, Ed, and Akuma. And dude, Aki just is just like, dude, she turned out wild. Like, she is crazy. Like, it's hard to make a properly creepy character, but the way that they made her, and that whole invasion of personal space thing is just, it's so frustrating. Like, it's just like, ah! Ah, uh, oh, that's true. We can watch the Duelon trailer a little bit later on, Katy Perry. We'll watch that for sure. But again, I just Aki is just she's so cool. She's so neat, and like I said, I just I love the character design. I just I love, I absolutely love the way that she's just designed. I'm so glad that they were willing to make her. Uh, very distinct visually and stuff. Again, she's just a character who, like, like, you can't mistake her at this point, right? You really can't mistake her. And like I said, I mean, look at the way, look at the way her shoulder looks over there. It almost looks like it's wrong, right? Like, if you look at her shoulder over there, it almost looks like her shoulder is a string. Like, there's just something about the way she looks that's, like, really off and makes her arms look long and stuff. But again, I love this because it really makes it so that, like I said, even if you take away the, like if you dress them in a t-shirt and jeans and took away the hair, you can tell the difference between every female character in Street Fighter VI. Like they are absolutely distinct from each other. Cammy is always gonna be the most generic looking character in the game in terms of the women in the game but outside of that with marisa monon uh lily unfortunately because she just looks like a little girl now uh but you know uh aki like they all look so distinct and obviously chun li with the thighs right like you just you can't mistake her but it's just like it's just it look yeah it looks dislocated exactly but like i just i'm Oh, God, I'm so happy for this character. And again, it's hard, right? Because obviously, you know, I commentate Street Fighter 6. I'm in Street Fighter 6. I love Street Fighter 6. It, it, it sounds like I'm gushing in a way that may be a little bit overdone or like, oh, come on, James, you know, whatever. You know, you're being a shill or whatever like that. And I get it. I absolutely get it. It's, I, I, I bait, it's hard for me to fight against that perception. But she's just so cool, dude. <laughs> she's just so cool. Like, I, I, they're making the characters how I wanted the characters to be. This is how I wanted it to be. I wanted them to be distinct. I wanted them to be unique and everything. And again, shout-outs to, to Faye Mata for, for the excellent voice acting uh, for her as well. So I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled with the way that this character's turning out, and I can't wait to see how she adds to this. And the question really is now, how are they gonna do Ed? Is Ed gonna be, is Ed from Street Fighter V gonna be actually modern Ed? And classic Ed is actually modern Ed, <laughs> right? Like, is Ed actually gonna give get motions for his moves and be the classic Ed? And modern is actually Street Fighter V Ed, so modern ends up being classic Ed, and classic Ed ends up being modern Ed? I'm not sure. We'll see. But yeah, I don't know how they're gonna do it, because honestly, Ed is, like, like, not interesting to me. 
Like, Ed is just not an interesting character to me. So if they can figure out a way to make Ed interesting, like, if they can actually get a means by which I can actually see Ed and be like, oh my god, he's so sick. Like, dude, his super should involve, like, Falk coming in and the big giant gorilla coming in. He should be like Captain Commando all of a sudden or something like that. He should have his whole team come and help him. His critical art should literally just be, like, all of the characters on his team coming in here and fighting. So, Ed is, uh, Ed is, I mean, they wouldn't put Falk in before Ed because Ed is too important to the storyline. He's clearly, they're trying to make him into something, right? Because he's the new leader of Shadowloo all this stuff he was in street fighter 4 the balrog ending all the stuff like they've been planning something with ed for a while so clearly he's like he's he's he, there's something about him that is important so he's definitely going to be sticking around for a little bit so but there you go that's aki and uh i think she's amazing i think she's really really cool I have no intention of trying to fix her, uh, but, you know, I'm excited to see how she plays. And because she is Aki to go along with my Kami, Mika, Maki, Kim, whole kind of deal, I might have to actually learn her. Maybe she'll be my third main character that I wanted to have because it was supposed to be Zangief at first, but now we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll just be Aki if she turns out cool and fun. So I will definitely give her a strong look to see how she plays. And it'll be cool to have a different style as well because I have two rushdown characters in Kami and in Kim. And it would be nice to have a, a zonery defensive kind of character in Aki. So see what happens. But uh, looks cool. September 27th, 22 days. I'm kind of ex excited about this. So uh, her Chinese name is kind of interesting. How do you pronounce that, uh, Necromancy Black? What is that Chinese name over there? Let me actually see if I can find it over here. Let's do Google Translate. Here we go. Demon. Her name is just Demon. <laughs> Uh, let's do, uh, let's change this to Chinese, shall we? Chinese. Oh, Agwe. Agwe. Yeah, Gwe is basically, uh, uh, means like creature. Is creature. Yeah, okay, okay. The second character is actually Oni. Uh, Gwe. Uh, let me see if I can see something really quick here. Uh... If I'm not mistaken, yeah, uh -huh, I'm correct. I'm correct. So a uh, little fun fact for you guys. If you guys are actually uh, fans of the movie Gremlins, uh, very, very, very... Uh, <laughs> 80s movie, 80s movie, so old movie, uh, Magwai. Guai is the Cantonese pronunciation of Guay. So uh, Magwai is basically in Pinyin would be pronounced uh, Mogwai, Mogwai. So uh, Magwai, that last character, demon, creature, 
uh, monster, uh, aka Oni, like uh, the the Akuma character. It's all the same word, Gui. Uh, so, in other words, in Chinese, her name is Agui. I don't know what the ah means over here. Uh, let me take a look at what this means over here. Uh, this just means uh, they don't really have any translations for it. Weird. Uh, but yeah, it's the same word. Guai, uh, guai and oni and guai is all the same word there. So if you ever saw the word maguai, maguai actually is a Chinese phrase for like demon creature kind of. That's why they called them maguai in uh, the Gremlins movies. Okay, then. <laughs> More tangents for you guys. Love bringing out lots of weird tangents for you guys. Weird facts, a lot of fun things like that. You will not find a character breakdown like mine. <laughs> I definitely have a very unique take on character breakdowns. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, and I hope you guys have fun with all of the little tangents that I go on. Uh, and if you guys do appreciate it, leave a comment below and let me know if you could fix Aki, how would you try to fix her? Let me know in the comments below. But uh, otherwise, make sure you like and subscribe. Thank you guys for tuning in here on uh, YouTube. And uh, you can see the second topic will be up uh, a little bit later on. But for now, that'll be it for me, uh, for the YouTube audience. Twitch guys, stick around. But the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me... It was Tuesday. Welcome to a super controversial and just crazy episode of It Was Tuesday with your host James Chen, the instigator. I am the one always causing all sorts of crazy uh, uproar on the internet. And today, what was the latest uproar that James Chen has caused? Let's actually bring out the tweet over here and we will see... James's crazy opinions over here. James Chen quote said, and I quote, ahem, ahem. Uh, boy, I retweet a lot of stuff here. Oh my God, sorry guys. Uh, <laughs> okay, this is what I tweeted. The pandemic showed the developers how important good netcode is for fighting games. Unfortunately, the side effect was making offline majors less important to attend, and thus, we are losing all of our majors. Perhaps a new crop may spawn, but I'm scared it seems unlikely. This was spurred on by tweets from Big E Gaming, which he said, I think this will be my last show. So Big E kind of tweeted out that it seemed like he was going to stop running majors when he's been running majors for literally four like four majors a year for like over a decade. 
And so I said in a follow-up tweet, which I've learned that nobody reads follow-up tweets, having said that, please take the opportunity to thank Big E Gaming for everything he's done for the FGC for years and years. It's a thankless role, and Big E did it multiple times a year for over a decade. We salute you, sir. And then uh, everyone got mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> everyone started yelling at me and they're like i totally disagree jay you have the worst takes ever and blah 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 and i'm like wait what wait what huh what how is this even a hot take how 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 is how is this even a hot take to me dude like it's not even like i don't even think it's crazy like it, it it actually confused me that it got so much it got so much traction and so many people started talking about it. Like, I literally feel like I should subscribe to, 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 to Twitter Blue because, you know what, I just do this all the time. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, so here's the thing, right? Um, there's almost a glut. No, I, I, glut doesn't glut mean, like, not enough? Is a glut means the opposite of a lot, right? If I'm not mistaken, dude, am I am I am I wrong on that? Oh, glut, yeah, glut. Okay, glut does mean too much. Okay, okay, got it. So, um, oh, gluttony, of course. You're right. You're right. So here's the thing, right? Why did I say this? Why did I say this? Because logically speaking. Yeah, a lot of people brought up like Evo had record numbers, etc., etc. But here's the thing, like the biggest majors are not going to have a problem convincing people to travel to an Evo or a CEO or a combo breaker is not going to be the problem. The problem right now is that we don't have any majors. We don't have any majors. We have the super majors. We have the grand slams, but we've lost all our majors. Now, granted, uh. A lot of the events, NCR, SCR, final round, Kumite in Tennessee, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of the events, all of Big E's events, uh, a, lot of, a lot of these shut down before there was good net code, right? So there's no correlation here. But, uh, dude, Gundam Jehudikai, thank you. I mean, he says, you will be proven right eventually, a few years from now, and you can post that tweet again. Like, here's the thing, right? This is, this is, like, a lot of people, like, it's weird. Like, they read my tweet, and they, they won't even, like, look into the context. Like, I, like, I don't know how you interpret it. Like, people are like, James says that people don't care about majors anymore. And I was like, where did I say that? I said majors were going to become less important. And that is 100% absolutely true, right? And then, like, someone was arguing with me, and I literally said to him, all right, look, you are a pro player right now. You have two options right now. You can buy a plane ticket to fly it on Thursday, play in the pools on Friday, play in semifinals on Saturday, play in the top eight on Sunday, fly home on Monday to an event that may have 200 entrants. If it has 200 entrants, you get 70% of the pot at $10 each, you are getting $1,400. So will you travel to this event to win $1,400? Or are you gonna stay at home and on Thursday stream, and on Friday stream, 
And then on Saturday, enter an online tournament which you have the potential to win maybe $300 or even $200 on Matcherino. And you know what? There was probably a tournament on Friday that you entered that you might be able to win. And in fact, on Saturday, there's probably two events that you can enter in and try to win money on. And then on Sunday, stream again or maybe relax. And then on Monday, go back to streaming and have all this content for your YouTube and gain subscribers and gain ad revenue for Twitch. Like, what is, like, where is the, where is the, where is the fault in, in talking about this? And what are the repercussions of this? A lot of the top players who have decent streams have less reason to travel. And if they do not travel to regionals, a lot of times we went to regionals because we wanted to see and play against some of these cool players. When Capcom Pro Tour was going all around the country and everything like that at all these regionals, everybody would be like, I'm going to this regional because I get to meet my heroes. Daigo is flying out. Tokino is flying out, etc., etc. Right, Max not attending Evo and still making bank is a perfect example of this, right? And so if they don't go to if they don't go to regionals, you're going to lose a lot of purpose for people wanting to go to regionals also as well. A lot of people are going to be like, well, none of my favorite players are going to be there. And what was the other reason why a lot of people went to regionals? Because they don't know. Right. Chris CCH has no idea how well he would do against punk because punks in Florida and Chris CCH is in California. They very rarely got to play each other, so they would go to regionals to play and then you would get an idea of where you stand. You know what? You don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> These players are playing against each other. Like, Punk and Knuckledoo fought three times in three different tournaments at a recent Tuesday. <laughs> they played three times in three different tournaments on a Tuesday. And you know what the whole thing is? The event, the matches were great. They're getting the knowledge that it's not bad netcode. You're actually getting real results out of this. You're getting legit results out of this. That's one of the things that is different about having good netcode is that you have this ability to play online and that becomes the norm now. Right. Another story that I like to tell when the Xbox 360 first came out in the first year of the Xbox 360, which is one of the first really, really strong online consoles. One of the first games that came out for uh, Xbox 360 was Dead or Alive. I don't remember. I think it was Dead or Alive 3. I think it was three or four or one of them, probably three. Or four, I don't know. It was one of the Dead or Alive's. And it was the largest played online game on the Xbox 360. It was the game that was played the most online on the Xbox 360. So that year for Evo, and Evo East and Evo West, Evo decided to add Dead or Alive 4, okay, Dead or Alive 4 for the 360 to the lineup. And you know what we found out? Because all these people who were playing Dead or Alive were so used to playing online, they had no concept of traveling for tournaments. They didn't get what it was about going to an offline tournament. 
at Eva West, at Eva West, Jason Cole entered Dead or Alive because Toyota was our sponsor at the time and they were giving out uh, bon prize bonuses for every game. So Jason Cole entered Dead or Alive at Eva West. He overslept pools. He overslept pools. He made top eight. Jason Cole <laughs> overslept pools and he made top eight <laughs> because nobody showed up. <laughs> nobody entered and nobody played. He DQ'd him. Everybody got DQ'd all the way up so that he made Sunday. Jason Cole literally made top eight at Eva West for dead or alive by oversleeping pools. <laughs> when you have bad net code, it creates a higher reason to go offline. Smash Melee is one of the most successful fighting games of all time and has lasted so long because their scene is used to traveling because that was the only way you could play well. It's the only way you could play that game against somebody else well before now. Obviously, there's the days of Slippy, but that's a whole nother story, right? Smash Ultimate, the netcode is bad, so everybody travels offline to go and play. That's just kind of how it is right? That, that's just what it is. When you have good net code, you're going to have a lot less reason to travel as much because you're going to be able to play these online tournaments from home, etc, etc. And you know what the worst thing about this whole thing is? The worst thing about this concept is, is thanks to all of Arturo's, you know, uh, Arturo's push lately, there is actually a legit reason to play at an offline tournament and be like, man, this was laggy as crap, see me online. And have legit, <laughs> and have legitimacy to say that your online experience is better than the offline experience because you have your super maxed out PC where you have the least amount of input lag and you can react to everything that you can't at an offline major, right? There is legit reason to say that the online experience is actually better than the offline experience now. Now, having said all that, my point, my point is that this is a factor that we have to think about, right? It's not the only factor, clearly. Clearly, the cost of running event is a huge factor right now. The pandemic has screwed everything up. Yes, it costs way too much to run, so there's no reason to run majors anymore. But now you can run offline stuff, right? What's one of the biggest tournaments out there right now? Tampa Never Sleeps. He runs a bunch of online stuff, and it's legit, and it's doing well. Yipes is running Can Opener, and it's legit and he's doing well. There's less reason to run majors even for TOs because it's so expensive. It's so expensive to run these things that they're better off running online things and people will enter online things now 
because that is how they play all the time and that is what they're used to and it's legit now. It's actually legit, right? So JP says he's got to drive 2.5 hours to play at the Guild House, which is the, ends, the NorCal gathering place where K-Brad and all those guys play. And it's not, it's not a coincidence that everybody who responded to me was like, dude, James, you're crazy. I'd still rather go to offlines. And I was like, okay, uh, you played Street Fighter 4 or before. <laughs> I'm like, you're an old man. <laughs> Okay, you understand what offline means. So that's the thing, right? And again, uh, poke, poke Cobalt or Poke Cobalt, we're not worried about Evo. We're not worried about Combo Breaker and CEO. They're going to do fine. They're going to do fine, right? But let's say Capcom is actually sitting here and saying, let's do what we did before. Let's piggyback off of all of the regionals and majors so that we can have a Capcom Pro Tour again. What majors are they gonna piggyback off of? What are the majors here in the United States? We've got Texas Showdown, we got Frosty Faustings, we got Combo Breaker, we've got CEO, we've got Evo. What else is there now? If Big E quits, what else do we have? Right? <laughs> What are we piggybacking off of? Uh, I mean, Gommel is really honestly a smash event, right? Smash event, uh, Fight Kingdom maybe? Yeah, Europe has lost a bunch of majors. They, uh, yeah, they just had a bunch, I think Celtic Throwdown, didn't they say that they stopped running it as well? And again, that has to do with costs, of course, but again, like, with these majors closing, the demand for them is not there. This is, my, this is my point. The demand for having people come up and replace the majors aren't there because the top players are playing in like seven weeklies every week, right? And yeah, that's another problem too, says Ryo, uh, Ryo uh, Ayanami. Uh, yeah, there's too many majors out there. We need to scale back the majors and we need to look at what things like Frosty Faustings were doing where they would have run two-day tournaments. Not everything has to be evil, big stage, top eight, Sunday. Let's scale back the regionals a little bit. Now, having said all this, this is my argument. This is my point, right? This is where my tweet comes from. And when I explain it like this, when I say it like this, there's nothing crazy about what I said. <laughs> I didn't even say it was the only reason. I just said it, it, it makes majors less important. And as a result, we're losing a lot of majors, right? Because it's a factor. And if we ignore that, we're being the same kind of stubborn. Here's another story. When Evo went from arcade cabinets to consoles, do you know how much blowback Evo got? People were so mad. <laughs> They were so mad because console wasn't legit. This is the same thing we're happening right now. The arcade to console and now the offline to online is almost mirroring itself. And the problem is people don't want to think about this and prepare for this, right? They don't want to prepare for this kind of thing. Okay, PC home platform, home platform, not just console, but home platform, right? 
we have to prepare for this. And my point is not that majors are not going to die. I mean, our majors are going away and we don't need them. I'm not trying to kill majors. My point is that this is something that we have to think about. And if we want to combat this, we're going to have to do a better job. Right? We need to make sure people have more of a reason to travel to regionals or make it cheaper to go to regionals. Make regionals two days so you don't have to go from Thursday to Monday, right? Thursday to Sunday, like Frosty Faustings used to do and still does right now. Right, and when majors die, who can replace them? This is a problem too, right? There's just, there's, I have heard sources saying, Maybe we should step in and run a major, and then when they calculate the numbers, they're like, this is not worth it. It's just, it's just not worth it, right? And so even though we may not have lost a lot of the majors because of the net code, we aren't getting any push for new majors, and the net code is a major factor. Yes, the costs are there too. The inflation of everything during the pandemic is a huge problem that really hurt everything. But again, I'm not trying to like, <laughs> I didn't think that this was some sort of wild, like, I don't even know what people were mad about. Like, why would they be like, James, you're crazy. This is such a dumb take or you're an idiot. Like, what is there even to say like, what is there even to call someone an idiot for over this take? This take is just, it's so logical and it's so like normal, right? I mean, is it just because I've actually said something negative about good netcode? I think that's just what it is. I think that's just what it is, is that I actually said that good netcode has a bad side effect. And I think people are mad about that. I really, really think that that's what they're mad about. Honestly, what's wrong with the majority of tournaments being online? Legit asking nothing, not anymore, not anymore. And that's what good netcode gives us. And that's why I keep saying that it's going to affect our majors. And I don't know why people are pushing back on this. Like, it's absolutely a true statement. Now, having said all of that, am I going to do everything in my power to promote offline as much as possible? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, it's so, uh, VasetNet says, it's not that there's a problem with online events, it's that their simple existence provides competition for events on the calendar. Exactly. Exactly. Right? And that's the thing. It's like, I love the good net code. I'm not saying the good net code is ruining our community because online community can still work. It still exists. Right? We're getting more players than ever, et cetera, et cetera. But now we have to start doing a good job. We have to start doing a better job of giving people reasons to go to majors. This is what I'm really trying to get at. When the arcades started dying, it's because arcades refused to evolve, right? They stayed being this dark, dingy little room with cabinets packed as tightly as possible 
And that had no place in the world anymore. How do arcades exist these days? They're barcades, they're slash restaurants, they're a social place to hang out. I had said a long time ago when arcades were dying, the way you keep arcades alive is by turning them more for the social experience. This is what we have to do. Not only turn majors into more of a social experience, but come up with other things. Find ways to make it cheaper for people. Give people more incentive to go. Give reasons for top players and pros to go to these things. I don't know what the answer is. Otherwise, I would run a major myself. But that's the thing. It's like, we can't just ignore this. Dude, one year, one year before the cross-up was revealed as a controller, and I know I've told the story before, I started playing Tekken and I was like, wow, what if they create a controller like the hitbox except the movement buttons can be hit by your right hand at the same entire time? That would make everything super easy. And I changed it on the accessibility on PlayStation 4 and I did electric, 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 electric. And someone on my stream was like, wow, James, you're really good at electrics. And I was like, no. I actually just, mod, you know, swapped buttons. I put right on the, on, the, uh, on the buttons with my right hand. And so I went to Twitter and I was like, hey, Tekken community, look what I did. We should talk about having this problem with controllers with buttons for movement on the right hand. And everybody was like, we won't accept it, whatever, it'll never happen, whatever, shut up. Who, you don't even play Tekken, why do you even care? Get away. And then the cross-up came out and I was like, and everybody was like, oh my god, what the fuck do we do now? What do we do? And I was like, dude, come on, come on, dude, come on. <laughs> I was like, I talked about this literally a year ago. We have to address these things before they bite us in the ass, dude. We have to address these things before they bite us in the ass. I did. I found my year-old tweets, Stanley Cup, and I retweeted them. I quote-tweeted them. I was like, I talked about this a year ago, and you all told me to shut up. Like, I showed them, dude. Like, I'm telling you right now, my point of putting out that tweet and saying that this is a negative side effect of having good net code is not that I'm trying to lambast good net code or I'm saying that majors are dying. It's kind of like a, we need to start looking at this. We absolutely need to start looking at this and paying attention to this. Because if we want the offline to survive and still be able to convince people to go offline, because before we had good net code, it was easy. It was easy. You have to go to an offline major. You'll find out what it's like to play for real. You'll be able to see all your favorite players. It's so cool. The top eight environment is awesome. You'll get to watch live, you know, Daigo playing again. Dude, like none of that stuff is true anymore. None of that is true anymore. And I'm not making this up. This is a real thing. <laughs> We have to look at this and we have to figure out, we have to create new ways outside of Evo, CEO, and Combo Breaker because it's easy for anybody to plan one to three trips specifically for these things in a year, right? Evo is going to keep breaking numbers because that is the time that you spend the vacation to go to. 
But we had people traveling to every major during this, the, high, the heydays of the Capcom Pro Tour and the Tekken World Tour and everything like that. People with regular jobs, they were doing this because it was the best way to play, to get the experience, and it was a wonderful experience. And you got things that you couldn't get anywhere else. Whereas nowadays, we get Knuckledoo versus Punk every day of the goddamn week. Every day of the goddamn week, we are getting Punk versus Knuckledoo. We are getting Mana RD versus Punk. We are getting Chris T versus uh, Chris CCH. Like, we get this stuff every single day now. As long as you just go and find the streams, you will find this, these matches. Can opener is going on literally right now as we speak. You can go watch some high-level Street Fighter VI right now if you don't feel like watching me. So again, this is... We have to address this. I'm not trying to say good netcode is going to kill our community because it's not. Our community is evolving. We're evolving to something else. We're evolving to online tournaments, to Discord. I looked at the new Guilty Gear generation, dude. You look at Razo and Adventure and Jonathan Tene and all these guys. What are they doing? They're on a Discord and they're talking about Guilty Gear all day while playing each other all day. Like they play each other every day <laughs> and they're talking on a Discord. We are evolving to something else. We're not losing our community. We're losing where our community lives. And if we want the offline to survive, we need to figure out a way to convince people to go to these offline majors. We need to start thinking about it. Because right now, who's going to blame Big E for not throwing another event? He's probably losing money. Can anybody in the chat right now, can anybody in the chat right now Tell me who won Street Fighter VI at the last Big E tournament this past weekend. Who won Street Fighter VI? I know the answer because I just ran into it. Right? I mean, Blue obviously watched it. He knows. Mike and Ike won. But a lot of people don't know. Nope. Like, are we watching these events? How are, how are these events going to make money? How are these events are going to make money? And these are the things that we have to address. We have to talk about. Dude, seriously, consoles at home are going to hurt FTC and arcade. Everyone would get mad at me. They, they seriously would. Yeah, there was a big E-tournament this last week. I think it was... Um, Shoot, was that one NEC this past weekend, or was that Summer summer Jam? It was Summer Jam. It was Summer Jam last weekend. Summer Jam, that's the one. And see, look how many people in the chat are like, what, what, Summer Jam was last week? Wait, what, where was the marketing? Huh? Huh? Like, this is what I mean. We have to understand what's happening with our community. My take is not that crazy. I'm actually not walking back this one because a lot of time people get mad at me. I delete them or I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean. No, like my take is not crazy at all. It is the lukewarmest take ever. 
that if people are interpreting it as a hot take, this is a problem. This is a huge problem because we are not gonna be prepared for this. So again, we have to be sure that we're ready for this. And th the idea that good net code can hurt majors is not far-fetched. This is something that we, and yeah, but there were other majors that same weekend. There's like 900 majors and a lot of them are online too. I was commentating a CPT online from Southwest, South America West, right? Which was an online tournament, you know? Like this is the thing. <laughs> this is the situation that we have and we have to address this. Nothing I said was a crazy hot take. This is the environment we live in and we have to understand it. I'm not trying to say that good net code was bad for us. I'm not trying to say majors are dead. I'm saying we need to pivot. We need to figure something out here because, and I still believe this, the offline experience at a major is still one of the best experiences you can ever have in the fighting game community. It's literally life-changing. You know, uh, someone that I knew, uh, I met at their first Frosty Faustings. It was the first Frosty Faustings that, there was the Frosty Faustings was the first tournament they ever went to. And I was like, you enjoying it? And they're like, hell yeah. And I was like, you should go to more tournaments. And they're like, yeah, this is nothing I've ever experienced. This is great. It's wonderful. And then they became more involved in the community. And now they're one of the top commentators that you saw at EVO, right? Like literally the, the concept of these offline majors, they're wonderful. They're great. But we need to give people reason to go to these things. We have to f find out ways to perhaps even try to help them afford it or something, like I said, by squeezing out the days. Like on Synchronized last week, you know, they were, uh, Kitty was arguing that we should extend Evo an extra day. And I was like, we can't because that's an extra day of hotel, of an extra day of you not getting paid your wages because most people don't have vacation hours. Like we can't make it harder for people to go to events. We have to make it easier to go to events. <laughs> We have to make it easier to go to events, you know? Oh, sorry. Here you go, Dirty Larry. It's Nathan. It's that time again, everybody listening on the podcast, where you just get to hear James make kissy noises. Yeah. Good boy. I don't know. I don't know, Katy Perry. I don't know what the answer is. But um, something's got to happen. Majors are kind of too big for the cost. If I went to a big USA one, I wouldn't be able to see everything I wanted to see. Online events are one game and I can focus on and enjoy the whole time. That's a big part for me. Yeah, that's a great point, Necromancy Black. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great point. Uh, they extended EVO to three days, but if you noticed, they said they extended the convention to three days. The actual dates of EVO have not increased. They didn't add a day. It just means what's probably going to happen is that Sunday is going to stay open as a convention and be an extra watch room, and you can still play in the arcades and buy stuff from all the uh, artists and stuff like that if you can't get a ticket for the arena on Sunday because there's a lot of people left high and dry on Sunday uh, this past year. 
So I'm pretty sure Sunday is just going to be another convention day is what it's going to be. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's really, really great. Uh, I, that's what I was going to suggest to Rick, but he jumped in front of me and Rick is a smart dude. He knows what he's doing when he's running events. Okay. So he already was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I don't need James's stupid ideas. A lot of watch rooms in the hotel that weekend. Yep, exactly. So, uh, I, I don't really have much to add to this. I guess I can just answer questions, uh, from people in the chat. But this is, this is where I stand on this whole entire thing. I, I just, I think it's wild that people got mad about this tweet. You know, that people were just like, you're crazy or, you know, you're stupid or whatever like that. Like, honestly, like, like people are like, uh, like, I don't understand this at all. People are saying stuff like, um, <laughs> someone actually said, shout out to Smash Brothers, our online is so bad it forces offline events constantly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, someone said, I, I don't agree with this take. If anything, it makes the offline major more prestigious to attend. There's not a lot of us left, but attending an offline major is something in itself with the social interaction and the energy that it provides us all. Old person tweeted that, right? Like. Uh, like someone said, why are you all brains fried? We have went through one of the deadliest pandemics in history and it isn't over. And you all want to argue that netcode is too good that it's killing offline majors. Uh, someone said, all due respect, James, this isn't it. You know, uh, I just don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, someone said, I love you, bro, James, but you have some very uh, interesting takes. I just, I don't see what everybody was disagreeing about. I, I honestly just don't. I'm so, I was super confused by the response to this tweet. Honestly, I was, I was legit confused by it. I was legit confused by the response to the tweet. Um, uh, what about having more side stuff like artist alleys and panels of devs and pro players, things that draw people in game cons do it. Yeah. It, it, it's hard. Cause you have to make sure you have people who are able to do that. You have to have people that want to do that. You're going to have to pay them to do that as well, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and a lot of tournaments want to go the offline route, but the problem is they're not big enough, right? Nobody's going to go and buy a booth at this tournament when nobody watches, right? So let's, I mean, not to, not to blow any smoke at Big E, but like I said, nobody knew Summer Jam was this past weekend. So would you buy sponsorship for Summer Jam if you were a company? Would you see the Twitch numbers? Would you see the attendance numbers and go, I want to pay for a booth here, right? This is, this is kind of the, 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 the question here. And so, like I said, I don't know the answer to this. We've got to figure something out. But if we just sit here and go like, whatever, offline is the best. Online just enhances everything on offline and we'll be fine, we'll be fine. <laughs> like, we're dead. 
if that's your attitude, we are literally dead, right? And so we have to start addressing this. We have to start addressing this. And like I even said, JP, though, okay, so if Capcom wants to participate with offline events, who are they piggybacking off of? In the U.S., like literally in the U.S., it'll be CEO, Combo Breaker, and Evo, which aren't going to have any attendee problems anyway. We'll get Frosty Faustings. We'll get uh, Texas Showdown. We'll get uh, First Attack in Puerto Rico. Defend the North. Defend the North, I think, is still running, or did Defend the North stop? I don't remember now. <laughs> So Fight Kingdom in the Northwest, okay, okay. Okay, so D DNF, DF, DTN is still running. Uh, ECT, ECT is still running. So we've got some decent amount of majors here. We've got some decent amount of majors uh, that's still happening. So it's still possible, it's still possible. But again, like I said, we have to work on ways to convince people to go. And it's gonna start with convincing the top players to go. Right? Because, like I said, if you're punk, if you're smug, look what happened to Eris, dude. Eris used to be flown out for commentary, and now he makes enough money on stream that he doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> he literally doesn't go anywhere because he makes more money staying at home getting subs. And that, that's going to be true for a lot of these players because not everybody can win money at a major, <laughs> right? So where what is the incentive for someone like Punk or Nephew to go to an event, right? Yeah, well, Eris also doesn't like to travel, but it gives him a much better excuse because he would travel for the money if he didn't have money. Flow doesn't stream anymore. Not that I know of in any case. So, But that's just the point. That's the point. If we do not address the fact that online tournaments and good netcode are a thing and giving people less reason to travel to events that aren't the big events, if we just sit here and put a blind eye to it and pretend that it's not, a, if we can't go la, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you, like... This is something we have to think about. This is something that we have to talk about. How do we get people to start going to offline majors? Because if you don't get the pro players there, you're not going to get the interest from the casuals. That's just, it's just what it, really what it comes down to. The pro tours bringing out the Daigos and the Tokitos and stuff like that are what made a lot of those. A lot of those tournament organizers admitted that. They've literally admit, admit, admitted that, right? Okay, James, so what would be the medium? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of people out there who are a lot smarter than I am. And that's my point. Like, I want people to start talking about it. Because <laughs> there's a lot of smart people out there. There's a lot of smart people out there. I don't know the answer. But somebody else might know the answer. And I'm hoping... I'm hoping that somebody else can figure this out. If I figure something out, I'll let you guys know because I'm not keeping it to myself. I will tell everybody because like I said, I want offline majors to succeed. I want offline majors to succeed. So we'll see. We'll see. So whatever causality 
we can or can't prove about net code on offline events. At minimum, it reduces the incentive to incur the cost and effort to do offline events, to do and to go to offline events. Exactly. And my point in my tweet, and I admit it, when I wrote it, it sounded like I was saying that it was the sole reason why we lost. But the cost thing, the price increase is all a part and parcel of online tournaments being good, right? Of net code being good. If the net code was still bad, we would still travel to these events because it's the only way to really know how good we are against a lot of these other people. Like I said, nowadays, I mean, Knuckle Doo and Punk play each other like five times a week. So, like, it's, it's all related. It's all interconnected. It's all a part of the problem together. So, <sighs> anyways, uh, oh, about online tournaments combined with offline tournaments? Yeah, for sure. Uh, even if the net code was bad, we'd still have the problem, but I think we would have better viewership, uh, on stuff. And, uh, you know, again, ask the Smash players, man. Smash Ultimate players are still traveling to events all over the place. I got a lot of people in my mentions off of that tweet being like, yeah, there's like a Smash Ultimate tournament like every other freaking week. People are still traveling to Smash Ultimate tournaments constantly. So maybe, I don't know, I don't know. Like these Smash players are actually still going to stuff, apparently, so. Um, so, any case. It's an interesting topic to discuss and it's something that we need to talk about. And that's all my point is trying to be. Right? That's all what I'm just trying to say here. And so, again, I don't know why everyone started yelling at me, why my tweet created the big shitstorm that, that my tweets always seem to do. Would you guys hate me if I actually got uh, Twitter blue? Like, I don't want to support Elno. I don't want to give Elno any money. But, like, I feel like I kind of I'm stupid not doing it, honestly. Uh, I'd ask the devs to consider the option that tournaments can advertise their events inside the game, like seasonal events, add-ins, merch, and maybe an incentive. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I think, uh, I think uh, something's got to happen. We got to figure something out. We, we got to figure something out, honestly. So, any case, that's all I'm going to have to say for tonight. So thank you guys for tuning in, and thank you guys for watching over here. Um, I hope, uh, again, I hope you guys understand where I'm coming from a little bit more. And I hope you guys understand what my point was trying to make that tweet and how I really honestly don't think there was anything controversial about the tweet at all. Like I said, it was the lucest of warmest of tweets, honestly. So <laughs> any case, hope you guys had a good time and I'm going to continue to keep bringing up i'm gonna keep continuing to generate interesting conversations on twitter uh and then i guess accidentally creating content for myself here on it was tuesday so again if you want to hear the realist of takes over here and the smart the smart point of views make sure you tune in to the most important podcast in the fighting game community even though for me it was Tuesday. <laughs>